Hey, Lyle Barron's here. Good to be back with you guys. Been busy, been on the road for the past couple months. Been busy in LA, running my shows. I don't want to bore you guys with, with all like the, the stuff. Um, Cause you know, I realize I, I've I've been doing a disservice on here. I've been I've been unloading and not unpacking. And I realized, like, just because things happen in the moment, I don't need to fucking, like, just unload on you guys on that second. So I'm not going to do that. There's going to be some stuff that I'm going to hold in, and we're going to unpack it at a later date. All I'll say, New York sucked. Business got fucked up. Got sick while I was out there. It felt good to be back. I had, like, great experiences hanging out with people, meeting some uh, very lovely women uh, from California that missed California men. I met two girls are like, Oh my God, you're from California. Oh, Oh, this is, you're from LA. Oh, hell yeah. Like it's, I was like, cause I thought I would be like meeting like some New York. I thought I'd be meeting bitches that talk like niggas. Cause that's what like, you know, women from New York are. <laughs> cause I thought I'd be like, like, Oh, you different. You be saying, excuse me and shit. But no, I, was, I all the women I was kicking it with out there, it was, from Cal, from Southern California, it's fucking crazy. Um, nah, business got fucked up. I got sick out there. My ears rang. I was staying on like uh, the like the twenty seventh floor, and I'm like uh, I'm like scared of heights, so it was it was really uncomfortable. And it was like New York, so it was like like my hotel room had like enough space, but like not a, what I was accustomed to. It was uh, um. Just did Columbus, though. That was a much better experience. That was a much better experience. Business got, like, a little fucked up, but I was fucked up. You know, that's, like, a thing, because I'm in this space. And, by the way, I don't want to... Again, I don't want to unload, because I'm in a really good space. I don't want to, like, dwell on every bad thing that happened. Or even all the bad shit that is still yet to be unresolved. You could hear how pissed off I am in my voice. But I'm in a good space, so I don't... I don't want to get too too deep into that. All, all I'm going to say is the two hardest things as a comedian, like getting on stage ain't that hard. Like nobody I know has like become a comedian was like, I was just so nervous my first time. Like it's, it's not like fucking, you know, eight mile where it's like you can't, it's like, but the words won't come out. <laughs> like it's, it's not like that. It's just. No, like, the hardest part in comedy, like, there's things, like, when you start, like, bombing and run around do it, <clears throat> doing different open mics and being like, should I keep doing it? Like, you know, shit like that. You're growing pains on stage. The hardest part, parts of stand-up as a working comedian, there's two really difficult parts. There's one part, and this is different for everybody, and some people go back and forth on this, but it's when... You quit your full-time job to do stand-up or you quit your part-time jobs and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to be all in. And honestly, that's kind of more different now with like inflation and everybody's kind of doing like a little something on the side or, you know, trying to figure various things out and, <coughs> you know, or everybody's keeping like a little something on the back burner. But, you know, pre pre uh, COVID, obviously. That's when you're like, oh, I'm going to do this full time or I'm going to try to or even just being like, I'm going to fucking work part time and then I'm going to go out for uh, doing stand up like full time. But to where it's like I'm I'm doing it. It feels like full time, but I'm making part time money, but I'm also working part time. That's a really hard, hard part. And then the other hard part is making the jump from feature to headliner. And being like, you know what? I'm not going to open up for other people. I'm not going to accept feature money. I'm not going to be like, I've had a motherfucker be like, all right, it's, how about instead of headlining? Like he was like, I'm, I'm turning down like $400, $500 because I'm like, no, I need a headline. I need, I need the headliner slot. You're not giving me feature money. You're not giving me feature work. You're not giving me like a little mini bonus. Like this is my, this is my position. It's like the Sopranos when Phil Leotardo was like, when uh, uh, Tony's like, all right, I counted that. How about I offer you this? Like in the final season, the show's fucking twenty years old, people. And Phil's like, Phil, Phil Leotardo said, it wasn't a counter. It's my position, and that's where I'm at right now. Like it's my, this is my position. It's like I'm fucking headlining, and when when you in that slot, 
things can get r- rough, you know, things, things, the flight can get a little bumpy, you know, like you, you're dealing with, uh, especially that on that entry level. Cause it's like, you're not necessarily dealing with, you know, the top tier clubs and people kind of know that, or uh, let me not say they know, no, but they're like, he'll take this deal. Or like I can run game on him or like, I can take my time paying. I can pay like majority up front and then withhold this little amount. And, uh, I'm not going to get into it. But <coughs> I can withhold fucking 30 bitch ass dollars. <laughs> you know, like this. Like, it's like these motherfuckers will try shit. And you got to fucking, you got to stand on business and be like, nah, like we, I'm, we ain't going out like that. <coughs> With all that said, uh, few things like this very important when you're headlining because again I, w- I want to focus on the positive we're gonna stay in a positive headspace I'm not saying that for you I'm saying that for me is when I get in and I'm on the road one thing that's very important is I gotta get my supplies like I gotta get my supplies for where like if I'm gonna be there two three days I need my supplies so it's like that's different things like I know that with Sammy obeyed it was like he he go to a grocery store, he get a bunch of fruit, he get sweet potatoes, he get hummus, he get flatbread, he get a bunch of bottled water, you know, uh, Trenton Davis, like he doesn't, I don't think he drinks anymore, I don't think he smokes anymore, I'm not, I gotta check in with that nigga, I see what's going on with bro, like, I ain't, I ain't talked to Trenton in a minute, but, um, Trenton, right, when I would open up for him, it was, for him, it was black and milds, and like a, a case of beer, and he get like Miller like Cause keep in mind, he he a North Carolina nigga, so you know it's like he country like so. It'd be like even though he corporate, he he country corporate. So you have his Black and Miles, his Miller Lights, <coughs> and that be at the that be at the comedy condo, or that be at the hotel, <coughs> and that's what he needed. And me, now that I'm really seeing what I need, then I'm headlining. Cause like when you headlining, like it's. It's a lot more pressure. It's a lot more bullshit. Like, they'll play with your money more. They'll play with your time more. Uh, There's more bullshit that can, like... And you really got to stay locked in. And the thing is, is, like, when you're doing these, like, B clubs, or you're doing, like, an A club, but they're not treating you like a priority. So, shout out City Winery. Uh, (laughs) I, I, you know, I really fucking can't help. This really kind of is my anger management, low-key. Um... But when you you doing these things, like they're not always gonna take care of you, so it's really important that you take care of yourself when you're in these positions. So me, learning from guys that took me on the road and I opened for, what I've been doing is I've been like, okay, like when I got into Columbus, first thing I did go to Trader Joe's, and look, this is you know I was blessed because I was able to sleep on the flight. I took a bunch of edibles. I stayed up super late. And I, I've, I was able to conk out from L.A. to Vegas. And it, it was funny. I woke up. Sorry we didn't serve drinks on the plane. I'm like, oh, damn. I would have been pissed off if I was awake. Especially coming to Vegas. Like, how do you not serve drinks? How do you not serve drinks coming into Las Vegas? I feel like that's a long enough flight, too. But I don't know. It's bullshit. Um, <coughs> L.A. to Vegas. Vegas to Columbus. First thing I did, did when I got in. <coughs> had to Uber take me to Trader Joe's. Got my wine, got got my little snacks, got some cut up fruit, got some uh, frozen lamb vindaloos to heat up, got some uh, pita, got some pita chips and hummus. You know, every relationship I've been in, I've gotten like something from them from Trader Joe's. That's like the wonderful thing about being in California relationships. Well, they got Trader Joe's everywhere, but I've really Trader Joe's is really like California culture, though. Is one relationship, I got the pre-marinated carne asada. I was like, this is how you could really make some makeshift tacos at home. She broke it down for me. Like, obviously, it's right there, but, you know, I needed her to break it down for me. And then I got Pete and Hummus. You guys can guess what ethnicity they ethnicities they was. But that's that's the beauty of uh, no matter how a relationship ends, is like you always get something out of Trader Joe's. Uh, anyway, so... I get my wine, get my stuff, get to the Airbnb, throw my shit in the dryer, knock the wrinkles out, then I get ready, 
because I lined up some uh, don't tell shows, and if, and if you guys aren't familiar with uh with don't tell, don't tell is because you you guys have probably seen like the tapings. Uh, certain people have had their clips like go viral, and they get uh some like like Ralph Barbosa. Ralph Barbosa went uh viral off of doing don't tell, and then he got some other shit from it. And you know now he's a fucking he's like a celebrity comedian now. But, um, so I was doing the don't tell and don't tells, they have them in these, like, like you'll never see a don't tell show in a comedy club. You'll never see it in a theater. It's going to be in like, they're often art galleries or office buildings. Like at most, maybe a brewery, maybe, uh, like a hotel bar. Like the, I was at one in uh, West Hollywood and it was at like a, a hotel bar area. <coughs> But the novelty of them, like, they never advertise who's performing. <coughs> they never, um, they often sell out, or they often, like, do really good numbers. Like, it's rare that there's a don't tell where it's, like, under 50 people. <coughs> and yeah, that's, that's, it's a novelty, and people like that. It's like, it's like, oh, we don't know who's performing. And then you get the location the day of, and the most that they tell you is, like, like, like it's, it's some shit that's really good for, like, millennials and Gen Zs and, Jillennials or whatever they fuck, whatever you call them, bitches born in 1997. <laughs> like a lot, a lot of people like that shit, right? Because it's like, ooh, I don't know who's it gonna be. And it, anyway, so and they have them all over the country, all over the country. For those of you guys that don't know, because sometimes I say things on here and I forget that it's like, yeah, like comedians don't really be listening to this fucking podcast. Anyways, so. They got them in Columbus. They got them in L.A. They got them in Austin. They got them in, um, they they got some in London. They got some in Toronto. They got some in um Edmonton, Canada. They got them of in Detroit. They got them in Dearborn, Michigan. They got them in Chicago. Like everywhere, like any kind of major city, or even like smaller major city. Like when I was in Pittsburgh, I was kind of thinking of staying an extra day, but then I saw like what hotels was like costing. And I was just like, oh, fuck it, I'm going the fuck home. Um, but I, I did consider doing, like, one of their don't tells and hitting them up. Uh, anyways. <coughs> so I get there, and it's, it's in this art gallery on, like, a... <coughs> that was not in the downtown area. It was, like, on a certain side of town. <coughs> and the way that they do the Columbus don't tell is fucking insane. Like, they're getting, like... Because I actually got... Shout out Ralph Guerra. Ralph Guerra actually got me on that show. Ralph Guerra, who was on the... Um, what was the episode just another kid that never left his hometown? That was actually like, like of all the guests, like the exception of like some of the ones when me and Matt Duckett was really locked in and uh, some of the pods. Um, I really liked the one I did with uh, uh, Raphael bitch ass uh, way back during the pandemic. I like the one me and Gary Anderson did, but the one I did with Ralph Gary, I'm going to say is like one of the favorite pods I ever recorded with another guest. You guys really let me know you guys hated the Joe Prano episode. <laughs> Which is why I love you guys. Like, you guys don't hold back. Um, I'm probably not going to have guests on here for a while. There's nobody I really want to talk to right now. Uh, anyways, so the way they do Don't Tell in Columbus, though, is it's like, shout out Prano. But uh, the way they do Don't Tell in Columbus is uh, <coughs> it's like a double comedy club. So they do like because the other don't tells it'll just be like mm, comics doing 12 15 minutes i mean everybody runs it differently but they do like headliner feature and then like some spots and they bring in like big dogs out of new york uh out of la to like headline a feature or just even and then they'll bring in like the comics from like that are up and coming from like Chicago from uh there was uh one dude who was on the show he was from Lexington Kentucky like they'll bring in comics around the Midwest to open up the show and it's really like a comedy club but there'll be like two runs so you'll have one where it'll be the same comics doing one location Friday and then another location with comics doing a different location Friday and then those same comics switch venues on Saturday pretty fucking cool pretty fucking cool so I get in for the Friday show and it's fucking great. Like it was, it was one of those shows where it's like, if you bomb on that show, you should, 
you should like see a therapist. I'm not saying you should quit comedy, but I'm saying like you should see it. Th- like if you normally don't bomb, but you bomb on that show, there's something fucking wrong with you, or you didn't get enough sleep, or you showed up to the show too drunk or too high. Like th- something's fucking wrong with you if you bomb on that. That was automatic. And I just fuck these Columbus crowds are like Columbus is like a great comedy city. Like it's such a good comedy city. I would like for like the the first like like 30 hours I was there, I was convincing myself that like they had a good food scene. And then later I'd be like, no, they don't have good food here. They don't have good food here. <laughs> but I was like, like for the first time I was like I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. Then I'm like, yeah, you guys still you guys are just kind of learning how to cook out here. Um, but the fucking crap, like, it's great because, like, they're smart, they're savvy, like, they lack, because it's, like, Midwest, so it's, like, you get a nice mix of, um, of liberal, you get a nice mix of, you know, they stole the election, and you get a mix of, like, uh, I honestly just don't care, man, it's America, you know, it's just, no matter what, it's gonna be some fucking pedophile in, you know, in the White House that's not really in charge of a motherfucking thing as we're on this fucking rock, hauling ass through the universe, waiting for the fucking sun to go out, but we're gonna <laughs> run out of research, I don't know, you know, whatever libertarians be thinking, um... <laughs> But but it's like enough diversity. Like they got, you know, Columbus ain't like a black city, but it's like it's definitely black folk. Like, like you you don't go to Columbus and like where the niggas at? Like you fucking know. You know, you know what's funny is, um, speaking of demographics, uh, when I was on stage and I, and I did like I I did like an hour ten or something like a little under an hour ten. Fucking, I'm kind of considering not as a special, but I'm kind of just being like. Because the first 30 minutes, I didn't tell one joke. Or I didn't tell, like, every joke I told was, like, either about Black History Month or Ohio. And everything else was just immaculate crowd work. I'm kind of thinking of putting it out. I don't know. But anyways, at one point during the show, I said, um, so do y'all have a, y'all got, like, a a solid, because my my opener was Mexican. Funny kid. And, um... I said, uh, do y'all have, like, a decent size like, Mexican population? And it was so fucking funny. Of course, I called it out. Because the black lady said somewhat, and the white lady said yes. <laughs> it was the funniest shit ever. Like, yo, y'all got Latinos out here? Black lady, somewhat. White lady, yes, we have them. <laughs> I've had difficulty communicating with them that I did not order this. Anyways, um, but so most of the comics were like from New York, or no, actually, like yeah, most except like the one kid that was from a from a Kentucky. Everybody was from New York, and it was funny after the first show, like like we all had like you know real solid sets. And, um, I, I come in like our little makeshift green room area where there's like a bunch of like pop culture, abstract paintings. There there was like a little portrait of Nipsey Hussle. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm not alone. I'm even though I'm around all these like New York bitches, you know, these motherfuckers in template. It was all, it was all white comics except the, the dude from Kentucky. <laughs> but even though I'm around all these New York comics, I got a LA nigga with me. Let's go. Um, but we're it's in between the uh, the seven thirty show and uh, the nine p.m. show, <coughs> and somebody was somebody was like, "Oh, how are they to me?" And I'm like, "Can I tell you? I have fun with don't tells, but you know my one problem with don't tells? They don't kiss your ass enough. I really want my ass kissed after a show. Like they don't. Nobody's like, hey, what's your social media? Can I get this? Can I take a picture? Can I? And I didn't bring any merch because I was only doing like." eight ten minutes so I, was like, I don't need to bring I'm not bringing a bunch of, say that for the headline show but um I was like yeah they don't really kiss your ass after the show and then a bunch of the comics started laughing and they're like yeah she said the same thing and the the chick that was on the show she and she brought like a bunch of like coffee mugs and shit and she didn't sell and nobody gave a fuck and um 
it, which is always a shitty feeling as a comic, like when you come far away. And they're like, she was saying the same thing. And we're kind of theorizing, like, do they maybe like, even though like the host intros us and, and gives like, you know, uh, like our credits and everything, is it like they don't know how special it is or they don't, it's not as built up in their mind because it's just around so much mystique that like after the show, there's no sort of like, Oh, Hey, I want to see this person more because And I've I've always done well in don't tells. I've I've had like a few follows. I've had like some people talk to me after. You know, maybe I was just kind of cranky because of the flight, and she was mad she didn't sell mugs. Like maybe that's what it was. But yeah, yeah, I just was. I just kind of wanted more of like a lively atmosphere. Um, that was funny. Is uh, in between after uh, after the early show, right? It was this this dude there. And I was like, I kind of wish like it was BYOB, but I don't want to like be like, oh, I got my wine with me. It's like, all right, nigga, calm down. Like, just say, save it for the fucking Airbnb. Save it for the green room at the comedy club you're out there to do. You don't need to be bringing that to the don't tell and looking like a fucking alky. <laughs> and then I wish I did it because like there was no bar or liquor store nearby and it was nothing but like. Uh... For some reason, all the don't tell shows, they always have Modelo, but I don't get it. Every Don't Tell show I've done, it's always been, like, some cases of Modelo. But so anyway, so, <coughs> excuse me, so, <coughs> this dude is there, and he's like, he's like, I, I want a wine shop, and my eyes lit up, I'm like, you want a wine shop? And all the comments like, oh, hey, hey, hey. And it was kind of like they knew me before, like, I'd met all of them for the first time, I'd never seen their names, except the headliner. I'd never seen any of them before, or, or knew who they was. But they was all like, oh, look, 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 Lyle's all excited. So then we go, uh, we go over. He's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, I want a wine shop. I'm like, let's go. I was like, hell yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, you, you want to buy something? I'm like, hell yeah, I want to buy some shit. And he's like, well, actually, it's less of a wine shop and I actually make my own wine. And then my excitement started fucking dwindling. I was like, oh, Ohio wine. Oh, boy. And then he said, I was like, alright, well maybe maybe there's one out the bunch that's somewhat passable. Like whatever their most expensive expensive shit. I was at like a winery in a or a wine tasting room, Brown in uh Washington. Not to be confused with Brown Estate, the very first black owned winery in the country, which makes a lovely Zinfandale, I highly recommend. But I was at uh Brown in Washington and like the best wine they had was like ninety dollars, cause I was like, I did a tasting and like nothing was resonating with me, and the one that I liked was like, of course this is fucking ninety dollars. So I was thinking like, all right, maybe they'll have like a fucking forty, thirty dollar wine that's passable for me, and I'll fucking get that. But I'm like, oh, you make your own kits? And then he's like, yeah, like I sell like yeast and fermentation and like a lot of, cause there's like a big Somali population in Columbus, and uh, he was like, yeah, like a lot of them come here and they grow to make whatever we, I don't I can't remember all that they they use, they use it to make uh, Ethiopian food and various grains and uh, I don't know if it's injera what they use it for but he, but he sells these various grains so you get there he's giving us a tour and then basically cut to he's giving us like he's like so you like Pinot Noir and I'm like yeah and he's like so I actually got these grapes from Oregon, he says, so, um, he's teaching them how to swirl, and I'm just like, this is fucking, I, like, I know more about wine than the guy selling it, I could tell, he's like, so actually what you want to do, and I'm like, oh god, this is, like, I'm kind of in hell, but he went to, like, agricultural school, and he's giving us a tour, so I, I don't want to be, like, a California dickhead, but he's also, like, getting off a lot of jokes, he's, like, trying to, like, impress us, like, I walk in, and then, and I said, oh, it smells nice in here, and he said, oh, thank you, I farted, and I'm like, can we just get to the wine now? Because it's the tour, it's cool, I took pictures. Anyways, he's like, what do you what do you think of that? And I said, this does not taste like Pinot Noir. Fast forward to, it was some of the worst shit I ever tasted in my life. Actually, no, it was the worst shit I ever tasted in my life. But he, nice guy, and I appreciate him. So, so he's not going to fucking listen to this. You guys aren't going to know where it's at. But, um... No, it was it was like oh my god it was it was like an assault to my taste buds. I I felt I felt like Anthony Bourdain having to eat a cheeseburger that Guy Fieri made. <laughs> like this, is, this shit is fucking horrendous. 
and he said and he was like, well, you know, the stuff I'm going for is like, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, fifteen, ten dollars and down. That's like the stuff I'm going for. But like, it's like, like it's better than like barefoot, right? And I'm like, well, you know, barefoot sugar water. Like I'm like I didn't know how to answer that because I'm like, well, well, barefoot is like I don't wouldn't even call barefoot wine. I'd call, I'd call it more like a, a like a an alcoholic juice cooler, an, uh, an alcoholic Capri Sun. Like it's. When you start talking about shit like Stella, Barefoot, that's not fucking wine. That's like, it's fucking sugar bullshit with some fermented grapes in it. Um, but yeah, we got done with that, and then he brought a bottle, and then he was like, yeah, yeah, if you guys want to try it, and then he's hanging around the comics and kind of going in and out the art gallery as we're getting ready for the late show. <coughs> and it's, it's this one comic there. New York dude, and he fucking, it's funny, he's, one of the comics is like, yo, you want to try this, <coughs> and he's like, uh, Ray, Ray's his name, Ray, Ray Zawodi, so Ray, Ray tries to sip, and like, Ray says, that's the most awful shit I've ever tasted in my life, and I start laughing, and then the dude, the guy that made it, comes in. He's like, so what do you think? You guys can be honest. You guys can be honest. And Ray's like, yeah, no, it's very uh, it's very strong. It's very, and then I said, no, but Ray, what did you think of it? And then Ray starts smiling. And, and like and Ray starts smiling and squinting his eyes at me. And he's like, "This is I just met this motherfucker. And I'm already starting shit. And Ray's like, you know, it's like... It's definitely very pungent. I'm like, no, no, but like, what'd you think? Like, did 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 you like it? Like, like, what did you think? He wants to know. And then Ray just mouths, "Fuck you" to me. <laughs> this is the best shit ever. I fucking loved it. And then I told um, I told another New York comic that, that I was j- just uh with when I was out there. I had, I had him op- open up for me at my my show. Uh, Matt McCoy. Fucking love Matt McCoy. I told Matt McCoy that, and then Matt said, yo, if a motherfucker from Pittsburgh, PA, tells you you got some bad wine, that's just motherfucking disrespectful. (laughs) Anyways, um, yeah, did that, then I fucking, um, had a nice little... California priced Italian dinner. Had a good glass of wine that night because I fucking needed it, and then went back to the to the Airbnb. Crash, headlined the show, did an hour, sold a bunch of merch, had the fucking time of my life. Some fucking awesome, awesome people. This one one like highlight because I'm I'm gonna like reference this these nights like many other times on the podcast. So I don't want to like just unload here. We got other shit we want to get into. But after the show, right, and because there was some guy, like, he was, he was like, oh, it was funny, he walked on the stage and he just gave me a shot of tequila while I had, like, a glass of wine that I was nursing. Because I'm not, like, getting fucking drunk during my set, like, but I'm just going to have, like, a little something right there. Um, he, he brings, like, some tequila on the stage. And I'm like, wow, you had no problem just walking up and doing that. All right, well, we found the Republican. What, whatever I said, I said it way funnier than I'm saying it on this podcast. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I, I do an hour. I can't remember everything I say in the, over the course of an hour. And I barely do material anymore. Uh, but he dropped off like a, a shot of tequila. And I made a joke about him being a Republican. And the show ended. I'm selling merch. And then he comes up and he's like, hey, you know, look, I am a Republican sometimes. But, you know, we, we got to stay in contact, man. We got to stay. I go out to L.A. for business. But we got to stay in contact, you know. And I think... Because, you know, we're in this together. And he's letting me know, like, yeah, I voted for Trump twice. And I know you fucking didn't. And I know you're not going to again. Or I know you're not going to this next round. But we... And there's something about... I'm not gonna... I'm not trying to, like, have some bullshit kumbaya moment. But I'm just saying that is, like, a... That, that's a thing that I appreciate about the Midwest is... There's a sort of kind of, like... Look, motherfucker, we gotta deal with each other. Because in California, it's like, it's very, it's, it's ACAB, it's Israel-Palestine, it's pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine, it's, people have like these very, uh, 
People had these strong stances that they don't budge on, and I'm not saying that, like, I think they got it right out in the Midwest. I'm not inferring that. What I'm saying is, <coughs> it was refreshing just to have somebody be like, Hey, I believe different shit than you, but we got to find a way to work together, man. That was just kind of fucking nice to hear. Even though it's like, he's, I'm sure you'd have like opinions about a lot of things that wouldn't feel too good to hear. But, you know, that's just a little thing. Then, um, you know what? That's enough for now. This is the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Behrens. Thank you very much for tuning in. Shout out to everybody that's on a commute right now. Work, home, the gym, a trip, the airport. Shout out to everybody that's doing a task right now. You in the gym, you doing dishes. Thank you for letting me be a part of your journey. Truly appreciate it. Um, with that, well, that sounded like some California shit. Thank you for letting me be a part of your journey. This is holistic. Silencio. Um, hey, look, I know people listen to this pod for different reasons. Um, some listen for current events. Some people listen for me to talk about the bitches. Um, and some people listen to get like a sort of behind the scenes uh, take about what it's like being in the comedy world. And if you're one of those people, this episode is definitely for you. Enjoy the show. All right, so I want to knock this out the way, but I know you guys want my take on this, so I'm just going to make it quick. So Cat Williams went on Shannon Sharp's podcast. I, I, I don't know why we call it a podcast when it's like there's no mics in front of them. There's like... It's like a very high quality production. It's really a fucking talk show. I hate that like with this shit that's obviously like a fucking talk show and we're calling the podcast. Or, or like Matt Matt Hoffa, right? Uh, it, it would be like eight niggas in a barbershop all talking at once. And we're like, oh, uh, the maths podcast. And it's like, it's not a fucking podcast. At a certain, like at a certain point, things aren't podcast. I'm not saying that it's got to be a guy in his kitchen talking to himself with a glass of wine and a candle just to set the mood for you niggas but it's I'm saying like anyways um so Cat Williams went on Shannon Sharp's show and he unloaded on a bunch of people and he accused Cedric the Entertainer of joke stealing and he went at Steve Harvey and he it, it was like a while ago so I can't remember everything um but yeah, he wanted everybody, and he said Ludacris is. He was at the same party where Ludacris joined the Illuminati, and he didn't, and nobody's played in his butthole. And it was like, look, here's the thing. I thought, I thought the Cat Williams interview was like the Popeyes chicken sandwich. I thought it was like the Kendrick Lamar control verse. Overrated. I didn't really, you know, and I like Cat Williams. I like, you know. But it's just like, yeah. Because he had already said some of that stuff in interviews. It was, I don't know. It was, it was whatever. Um, two things I just want to take from that. Well, one, what he said about Jonathan Majors, he should not have said in that interview. And he should have said it on stage because that was fucking hilarious. All this, this round nose niggas a sex symbol. He looks like my daddy. Since when did y'all like my daddy? That was fucking funny. That was some of the funniest shit. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I've been walking around the house going, Since when did y'all like my daddy? <laughs> I don't know why liars lie. Like it's, you know, cat's a funny guy. You, you guys may have seen my... I posted it on all the places that I post, but it, it's on the my YouTube shorts. It's on the Instagram. I did a, a Cat Williams, Shannon Sharp uh, spoof interview. So I got something out of it. I got some followers out of posting that, so that was cool. Um, Yeah, man. I mean, these, these here are the two things. Also, that's like Cat's truth. And it's funny. I, I am seeing like a ripple effect of 
comics being like, yeah, I'm going to fucking get out here and talk some shit. And it's like, nigga, you ain't no fucking Cat Williams. You don't do stand-up like Cat. You don't sell tickets like no fucking Cat. Um, a few things from it. One, I think he's got a unhealthy... I mean, like, the stuff he said about, like, Steve and Cedric and, um, old boy and, uh, the, the third Friday joint, like, all that stuff is, like, because that's his truth, but the shit, <laughs> some of the stuff was kind of unnecessary, it's like, when he's like, I don't, a weird face, light skin wife that doesn't do interviews, it's like, all right, well, come on, the wives ain't in the game, man, you ain't gotta throw shots at the wives, you could just keep it, you could just keep it to the fellas, I'm just... I, I'm not a fan of throwing shots at people that's not in the ring. Yeah, yeah I'm just, you know, I don't, well, especially because it's like that nigga over 50. So that was just one thing. I'm just like, eh. I, I didn't like hearing that. Um, then it was, uh, I, so he's always kind of had it out for Kevin Hart for quite some time. And I mean, I do think it, like, certain things need to happen in order for somebody else to get ahead. So, I, like, I think. The fact that Chris Tucker was like, oh, well, I'm going to be Christian and I'm only going to do Rush Hour movies. <coughs> I think like that helped my caps, you know, because uh, <coughs> I mean, you could I mean, not just Friday, you could very well see Chris Tucker and say a movie like all about the Benjamins. You know, I just had a quick thought. I paused because I was like, would all about the Benjamins have been better was Chris Tucker. I don't know. Mike Epps was hungrier. And ultimately, like, just, like, Mike Epps is a way better comedian than Chris Tucker. But that's a whole other thing. Um, but, yeah, and I think, like, you know, it kind of took cat fumbling for people to be like, you know what? I, I think I, I think we'll go with Kevin Hart now. I think that's my new favorite comic. So certain things have to happen. Um, but, yeah, so... Cat is having Kevin Hart's wife open up for him on tour. And that's just one of the things where it's just like... I don't know. Maybe... I just don't like when niggas bring... They ops girls in it. That's just something I'm just kind of like... Uh, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of that. It, I just... I don't know. This is one of the things I like when things stay... I prefer for things to stay mono-mono. But outside of that, everything that he said, it was like, hey man, that's his truth. Good for him. Um, there are two things, though, that I want to unpack about that. Because also, like, the people that he's talking about, it's just like, it, this is just like rich old guy shit to me. It's like rich old guy dick contest, rich old guy. I'm still holding on to this shit from 15 years ago shit. Um, Cedric's stealing a joke from Cat. I know that let down a lot of comics. What. <laughs> The world doesn't think Cedric the Entertainer is a good comedian. <laughs> that nigga's so fucking... He's so fucking naturally funny. Two things Kat said, though, that uh, stuck with me that I... Uh, first thing he said was when he uh, he commented on, on Shannon's uh, cognac and he, he described the notes well... And when Kat said, well, at the comedy clubs, you drink for free. So you either become a connoisseur or an alcoholic like 90% of the rest of Hollywood. I was like, oh, that's fucking true. That is very fucking true. Because I ended up on the connoisseur side. But yeah, no, that's, that's really fucking true. And then when you like get exposed to other, like if you go... Like, I, I've started going to whiskey bars and then eventually the wine tasting. So, it's like, I really, in, in the rum bars, so I could, you know, people are like, how do you know? How can you tell? It's like, I've drank a lot of free alcohol. I've drank a lot of bad alcohol. I've drank a lot of good alcohol. So, I can, I can appreciate it without getting drunk. Is I, you know, I drink, but I rarely get drunk. Which feels pretty good. Love moderation. I mean, I'm sure like a doctor will be like, yeah, if you have another sip, you're going to fucking die. And I'll be like, I should have been getting fucked up if I was going to do all this. Anyways, um, the other thing, and by the way, when y'all be like, 
oh, Shannon is getting messy now because he just had Monique on. Like, Sh- Shannon Sharp is, he's the new Wendy Williams. It's like, the nigga ain't, he ain't that kind of smart. He's like, he's, I mean, like, maybe he could get that out of some fucking athletes, but probably even that. Like, no, he's not like, he's not even like a, a real journalist. He's like a celebrity that people, he's like famous for doing something else. So like, but he's also not this like super sharp journalist. So people will also feel kind of more comfortable coming to him and he'll ask questions and he'll let them talk. But he's not like, this nigga is not Oprah Winfrey. He is not Barbara Walters. He is not, he's not even fucking DJ Vlad. <laughs> you know, like y'all give him way too much fucking credit. And I say that because, okay, so what, cause people have been posting that, but, <clears throat> and this is what I want to get into. So at one part. Shannon's trying to find the words because the the lisp got his tongue. He's like, so so I want to know, Cat, like like why why I gotta be like this? Why? And then Cat Williams, being the very intelligent man that he is, goes, Why can't we all just be friends and we're comedians? And Shannon goes, Yeah, yeah, why not? Because I mean, it, it, which is like. It's a reasonable question for somebody outside of comedy, especially from somebody that you know was used to like 350 pound men trying to fucking random ram into him and then you fucking run into them in the club and dap them up or like what however they did it in the in the 90s um so he's probably looking like motherfucker i played a contact sport like we got fucking concussions and shit like y'all just up there fucking telling y'all little jokes y'all can't figure that shit like we could run we could like fucking kill each other on a football field and go on vacation and work out together in the off season, do all this shit. Y'all can't make it work when y'all just. Here's what people gotta understand. There's certain like so even though we doing this one, people gotta realize comics have feelings, because people will like say like a really mean thing to us and be like, "Well, you're a comic. I thought you could take it." And it's like, nigga, I tell stories, motherfucker. I ask people how they met and make jokes about it i do impressions i do like one-liners like i i'm not saying like half-chested mean shit which is what you're doing it's like we're not i'm not like oh roasting there's also just like a large segment of people where i don't think they really know what the fuck stand-up comedy is as like an art form because they don't even like really see it live with the exception of maybe like a few celebrity maybe they want to go see oh i saw tommy davison i saw uh Jeff Foxworthy, like they see, like maybe like a few acts, like a few really famous acts from TV. Oh, it was just okay. I'm like, yeah, the nigga's on TV. He's not. He's just. He's walking in there. He's getting forty thousand dollars, and he's walking the fuck out. Like he doesn't give a fuck about you people. Um, but so people would think like it's just roasting. It's like you're just saying mean shit. So it's one like people, people that don't do stand up, and like especially people that aren't around art, it, they're idiots. Because I mean, I hate saying this, but people that often are not around art are not very intelligent i find through experience i'm not saying you got to be immersed in the scene but if you don't know artists or you don't watch live like outside of your home like i i kind of think you lack some i just think that's like there's something correlated there that i'll unpack at a later date um but yeah the thing about like why can't y'all be friends is like Imagine somebody does something that could just really fuck up your livelihood, and then it's like, and then being cool with that. I especially don't get it because it's like, there's motherfuckers that work in offices that will hate somebody's guts, or or like somebody that's like, well, you guys are just serving food and beverage. Why is it got to be so serious? Because that bitch to be stealing tips. That's why. Like there's shit. Like, so, there's this one thing, so, first off, like, when you steal a joke, that's stealing, like, a piece of you, so, like, Cat having it out for Cedric, totally understandable, because it's like, you're stealing a piece of me, I'm really bringing my true authentic self, you up there trying to sing, you're trying to dance, like, you can't dance, you can't sing, you can't really tell, and by the way, I think Cedric is fucking very talented, but, like, I get his gripe, but the, the main reason, though, is, like, okay, so, it was a comic who, and this was Trevor Joyner told me this and other people corroborated it. It was one white comic. He was around a bunch of nigga comedians 
and he was shit faced and he's like, Well, Lyle goes to LA and he steals such and such as crowd work. Keep in mind, we're talking about crowd work. He didn't say I steal jokes. He didn't say I steal impressions. He didn't say I steal he said that I steal crowd work. You can't fucking steal crowd work, nigga. Fucking idiot. But he said that, and then I confronted him on it, and then he's like, well, so what I heard, and I said, well, who the fuck did you hear it from, and then I'll pull up on them, and he said, I don't remember, and I said, so you can remember some shit that could fuck up my money and fuck up my reputation, but you can't remember who said it, and he just had a smile on his face, and what I said, I will not say what I repeated to him, because it would definitely, it would really get me canceled, but use your imagination, and I think you'd know what I called him, um, and yes, ass was in the middle of it. Uh, <laughs> it was a different time. Um, now fuck that. I meant it. Um, but as one of them things, it's like we never can be cool. Like, cause you, you wanting to shit on me in that moment, and because I'm I'm not in the Bay Area anymore, and you thought shit wouldn't get back. And the nigga that he said I stole from, I pulled up on him, and I said, yeah. Bro said it, and he's like, nah, man, you good. I know you ain't taking my shit, man. It's, we do different shit, bro. It's, you good, you good. I know he tripping, man. It's all good. I'm like, cool. I'm solid out here, my nigga. I'm, I'm really one of the realest niggas to ever do this. But regardless of all that, um, and I say the greatest, I said the realest. But so anyways, with all that said, um, yeah, like, we, how can I ever be cool with him? How can I ever, like, we can't be friends. Matter of fact, if... I'm be honest, man. If he just caught me on, like, if I ran into him on the wrong day, I would. That shit was almost ten years ago. I was still stealing that little bitch today. Damn homies. Anyways, yeah, man. So that's that's what I make of it. But you know, all these niggas are my elders, so I can't really say shit. I want to get into something though that um this has been a topic amongst black comics. Uh, this hasn't really this hasn't really like made the news because he's not like really big enough. So there's this comic named David Lucas who rose through the ranks from doing um from doing like uh roast battles and shit. So David Lucas, I don't want to I don't know. Do I have the clip? Um. So you guys can find you guys can find it. It's a controversial joke in Fear Eight's crowd. Show spirals out of control. David Lucas stand up comedy. You know when niggas still got to put like their name in the genre, <laughs> like you just like you you're still working towards something. And I say that as somebody that still has to put Lyle Barron stand up comedy on my own YouTube channel. So this is not, he's doing way better than I am. Um, so. David Lucas, and he he rose through the ranks of like Kill Tony, which is a show where it's basically um, mentally ill open micers do like a minute, and then like very uh, prominent comedians. It could be a Joe Rogan, it could be a Bill Burr, roast those said said comedians, or they give them a compliment, but they often fucking roast them. Anyways, um. He came through the ranks of that, and he came up uh, doing Yo Mama. So anyway, so David Lucas is doing this show, and this dude is fucking heckling him, and um, David says something to the effect of, hold on, I actually just want to find this. Let me just find this. All right, so I found a clip. So uh, David Lucas is doing the comedy club, and... This dude's heckling him, and by the way, for context, he like he's like really a roaster. When people, he's like one of the few black comics where when people were like, oh, just, oh, they think I know this kind of contradicts what I said earlier, but he like really does be roasting people. And I saw him before this clip, and he um he uh he'll bring people on stage and roast them. So it's this one dude who was heckling him, and then he was inviting him to come up on stage, and the dude didn't want to come up on stage. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. And here it is. Oh, they got a spotlight. Hey, if you come on stage, I'll buy you a bucket of beer. I'll buy you a bucket of beer. 
don't see why I don't like black people. How much is it gonna take you to come on and say, I buy your whole table around a Hennessy shop? I know that's what y'all drink. I ain't think he wanted no smoke. That nigga wanna talk in the shadows. <laughs> nigga try to ruin the whole show, man. All these fucking good ass white people at my show. And you wanted to show them the reason George Floyd got his neck nailed on. joke it's just a joke man i would have never kneeled on george floyd's neck i would have shot that nigga that was way too long <laughs> all right that's enough of that so anyways um if you if you guys didn't catch that uh he got heckled i say if you didn't catch that knowing my audio's all fucked up um he was getting heckled and via the guy on stage they had back and forth and he says how dare you this is why i don't like black people all these lovely white people at this show and then he says um because i don't know how the audio went through so forgive me i'm just gonna forgive me for repeating what you may have just heard um and he says and you want to show them why george floyd got his neck kneeled on and he said oh don't all that i wouldn't have kneeled on his neck i would have shot that nigga anyways and it's uh it, it is Definitely a, a bit of a hot topic now. D.L. Hughley is, of course, chimed in on it. And if you look at the comments, it's a bunch of white people going, "Let me! I can't wait to come to one of your shows." And it's white people with the Ray Bans and and fucking hats and guns and they profile pics. And it's black people having a problem with it. And it's white people saying people are too sensitive. And you got like a few niggas. It's like, you know, the niggas that like just fucking like love Kanye and hate themselves. They're like, you're like, yeah, it's just a joke, you know. And then you got people that, look, okay, anyways, and this is like a topic amongst, uh, in inner circles of, uh, us black comedians right now, which I I feel like, you know, I don't, I don't want to tell y'all everything that we talk about because, you know, that's fight club rules. It's coon club rules. (laughs) I'm a part of multiple coon clubs, just so you know. So a few things I take away from this. So to make it about me real quick, so well, well, okay, make it about David real quick. So David, I went to his Instagram and I see photos of him holding up fishes. So he makes it clear that he likes fishing, and he's he's clearly from somewhere in the south. Just like hearing hearing him speak, um, it's clear that he's really going for a certain fan base, and I think what I get from it. Is not just this, but like, so David Lucas says that, and then a bunch of white people are like, oh yeah, I can't. And you look at the comments; there's a bunch of people saying they're gonna come out to see him, and I'm sure they will. I am sure they're gonna fucking get tickets and support him because nothing. White people love hearing a nigga that validates what they believe, and I'm not just saying some as far as David Lucas. I'm saying it's white people that fucking love. Uh, and not just a nigga, like POCs, if you will. It's white people to love fucking Kamel Bell and Talib Kweli or Cornell West or whatever because they support certain things that they believe. And hearing a black person say that reaffirms certain things. So I'm sure David Lucas is going to do big numbers. I mean, he's already been doing well, but I'm sure he's going to do extra big numbers. Um, the other thing I take from this is just the direction that America's going in. So, Taylor Swift, like we all been talking about her, Super Bowl, her uh, her relationship. Taylor Swift is the biggest motherfucking thing on planet Earth right now. Or at least in America. She's the biggest motherfucker. I mean, it's probably some fucking soccer player and Europe or Brazil that, you know, people care about more. Well, Europe. But, um, in America, Taylor Swift's the biggest motherfucking thing. And if you're the biggest thing in America, you're still pretty fucking big, right? I mean, come on. She just had a show in fucking Tokyo before she went to the Super Bowl, and then she's off to fucking fly to Australia, you know? Um, but I look at that, and I'm like, okay, say somebody like Drake. Drake has, like, a broader appeal, but Taylor Swift is still bigger 
Beyonce. We get word that Beyonce is dropping a country album. And she's been like trying to find that, you know, I don't know if she's tired of R&B or she just knows that hip hop and R&B just ain't what it was. But she's like, like she did like a dance album, you know, and like house music. And now she's doing country. I mean, she is from Texas, so there's something to be said for that. And I also kind of think there's a part of Beyonce just looking at Taylor Swift like, let me get my crown the fuck back. I already got Rihanna the fuck up out of here. Now now you next, nigga. Like, I, I think because people like this are very highly competitive to get to where they want to be. But I look at that and I see what David Lucas is doing. I see... um. Taylor Swift, Beyonce doing a country album. I see uh, how popular the streamers are, and people don't give a fuck. Like these streamers, we there's records of them saying like they be saying nigga, they be saying nigger, they be saying uh, anti-Semitic slurs. You know, they be seeing the, saying the K word, they be saying. Uh, homophobic slurs like and some of them get kicked off Twitch some of them get kicked off YouTube whatever they still find a way to make their money and nobody really gives a fuck so I'm seeing that we're like we're really in an era where like it did culture is shifting and it's really about like yo let me get let me tell you something I don't give a fuck I don't give a fuck that's really where I feel like culture is going. That's the like the thing I take from it. Cause look, David David Lucas is is gonna be a proud Uncle Tom on stage. He's 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 gonna be a proud white man's nigga. And you know, I'm not maybe I don't have such visceral for it because I'm a comedian and there's a part of me that's like Nigga sold out, I get it. <laughs> maybe maybe like that that's part of it. And there's also a thing like I've, I've met comics where it's like I really hate their internet persona or their stage persona, but I meet them and they're like the coolest fucking people ever. And there's a part of me like I bet you David's like a really fucking cool guy because <laughs> he's just so he just is so fucking unlikable on stage. So I'm like a part of me's like I bet you this thing is like really cool to comics. Like there's just certain <laughs> it's like a little comic thing in me. Which is like why I'm just not getting fucking angry as I talk about this right now. And it's also just like I know comedy, so it's it's like this nigga's trying to get over. It's not like the same as like Kanye doing all the bullshit that he was doing when it's like I mean well neither of these niggas have to do what they the fucking neither neither of these black men have to be white men's niggas. They just choosing to be. But anyways, that so if you're wondering why I don't have such a, a tone of anger about it, it's like it's what he's going for. It's the lane that he's going for. But that's what I take from it. It's just the the tonality of America as a whole is just changing. You know, and it's like we was just so deep in the Me Too movement. We were so deep in Black Lives Matter. We were so deep in Stop Asian Hate. We were so deep in that, you know, and it was certain, we're currently deep in um, Israel and Palestine and... I think it's really getting to a place of like, I, I mean, because I don't know, there's like, I'm seeing like so much pro-Trump sentiment like amongst, which is just, I mean, and I, I don't, I don't want to get too political on here, but I will get social on here and sometimes social bleeds into politics. It's like the matter like black and Mexican people especially men that are just like very like pro-trump is just very like it's very alarming for me i'm not saying like you you gotta be like blue or you gotta be pro-obama or you gotta be pro-joe biden but it's like this shit like oh we was getting much trump gave us stimulus checks and it's like like okay so that white man i talked about earlier at the top of the show it's like i'm republican sometimes that motherfucker makes a lot of money and he chooses his taxes over other people's feelings. 
chances, but like the niggas I know and the Mexicans I know, this like the Mexicans I know, this like pro Trump, they're not in that fucking tax bracket to where like, you know what I'm saying? It's really, but and I think it's really just about that. And and by the way, it's like I just hate when it's like when people say he gave us the checks because it's like, well, it was really Trump was originally against it. It was a Democrat that made it happen. And then when it was going to go through, Trump said, put my name on them shits. So that's just, that's just like my problem. When people saying like he gave us money. It's like, know what the fuck you're talking about. Like if you're going to be pro Trump, fine, but know why the fuck you are. And don't just say like, Oh, cause he's about to like, I, that's just some shit that really, I can't stand. But I think the reason that we are seeing a lot of this, like, Pro MAGA shit in communities it where it don't feel right is because Trump's got this I don't give a fuck attitude. You ain't gonna fucking cancel me. Yeah, I'm indicted. Yeah, I gotta like pay out a civil suit off a rape case. Yeah, I gotta do. I don't give a fuck. I'm still running for president. I'm still getting back in that office. Fuck you. And it's funny because when he had the job, it didn't even really seem like he enjoyed it. <laughs> he seemed like a real miserable fuck. But so I put all this shit together, though, and I think that the tonality of America right now is just going to some like, I don't give a fuck, fuck this shit, which is really understandable, though, because it's like, you know, you got fucking inflation, you got, I mean, I don't care if people be like, no, like the, the national debt's going down and debt interest are going down and all this stuff. It's like, dude, you don't have fucking student loan forgiveness. More and more kids are like, fuck going to college. It's not fucking worth it. Um, I was ahead of the curve on that one. <laughs> but, you know, you people in big cities got to, like, have roommates or they got to live in a shoebox. You got plenty of people moving back home. And then you got the fucking tech layoffs that's happening. It's a bunch of tech layoffs happening. So, like, you're having, you know, young people that used to making, like, 80 to 200 thousand dollars a year you know that are about to be like shit what the fuck did i what the fuck do i do you know so it's like the the tech bubbles are bursting now um ai we're just like in a really kind of we're stuck between the rock and a hard place right now as a nation and, and you know world too you know and like we're still coming off COVID, so, and and I think like everybody just doesn't give a fuck right now. And I look at, I even look at a nigga like Drake, like Drake on the last album, or last few projects, the one he does, uh, the her loss, and then the um, whatever that bullshit he was that he, uh, the last one, you know, the, I can't even remember the fucking name. That's how checked out I am on music right now. Um. But Drake being like, yeah, that bitch lied about getting shot and he's and throwing shots at women and women has been his core base. And he's like a lot more tapped into his misogyny, which is just something we net like it, this is from the guy that said, I hate calling women bitches, but the bitches love it to then just like, sorry, Serena, but your man a groupie like he's going to what past women he dated and even. <sighs> Doja Cat, that's another one, you know, saying, like, fuck her fans, and, and whatever, the bullshit that Doja Cat did to where, like, she had, like, a massive unfollowing on Instagram, and she had, like, probably, like, one of the biggest songs of the year, bitch, I said what I said, I'd rather be a coon instead, you know, but so... I just think that's where we're at as a country, and I, don't be surprised if you see more and more people surprise you because i know even in my personal life i'm seeing more and more people surprise me and you know i i think we're in the we're in the not give a fuck era and it's like it's becoming cool to not have a heart it's becoming cool to not have a moral compass because in me that's something i'm never gonna lose because my foundation is having a heart my foundation is staying solid my foundation is being a real nigga so it's like you never gonna catch me on that shit never but people like me, it's like we're going to be the last of a dying breed, I'm saying, because people is really, really tapping in to their character flaws. Drake fucking said what did Drake said deep in my character flaws. He said that on a joint recently. And I think that's really represented because one thing that Drake does really well 
whether he he's making good music or he's making bad music or he's just making just Drake music. It's just like, yeah, it's just Drake. Like, it's fine. The one thing that Drake's really good at is staying on the pulse of what people are kind of feeling like. Because he he's like fucking studies the internet. He probably has a team of people bringing him shit from the internet and TikTok. And I mean, just even being around like somebody like Sammy obeyed who like you know puts out like a high volume of content this motherfucker like on the road he's just constantly looking at his phone and figuring out how to work the internet how to work the algorithm and what so it's like people that have long-term success and are really tapped into the internet they know what people are feeling that's another person that i would say is very <laughs> deep into his character flaws as well maybe i shouldn't have said uh, oh, I, don't, I don't give a fuck but I'm saying everybody I know, everybody I fucking know is just really deep into their character flaws and has no problem really being shitty right now. And it's just, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm going to just start knocking motherfuckers out if they fucking like take it too far. Because it's like, I got a heart, but it's like when you deal with somebody that, gets a heart, that has a fucking heart, like we feel pain, we feel anger too. So... Tread lightly, niggas. This has been the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I've been your host, Lyle Behrens. Thank you very much for tuning in. And we will be back very soon with an episode about the bitches. Or maybe uh, we'll do current events. I don't know. Who knows what we'll do? You know, you got... You guys tell me what you guys want to hear, and I'll do it, you know? But you guys don't tell me what you want to hear, so I just press play and do what I want to do. And I hope you guys do that throughout this week. Press play and do what the fuck you want to do.